0: Everyone in. Let's go. Huddle up on three. One, two, three. Huddle up.
1: No one, and I mean no one, comes into our house
0: and pushes us around. This is your game now, gentlemen. to go, and a puck up Dan Holtby watching a bad bounce out of the corner, and a shot and a save made by Braden Holtby, oh my, as Alex Tuck was robbed on a puck that came bouncing out of the corner, and Washington by a whisker, still on top with 159 to go, my goodness, Braden Holtby. Off the face, off the Capitals, and won it of the country is the capital of the hockey playoffs. Many doubted we'd ever see it. But here it is. The return to glory. Five seconds left in the game. you believe in miracles? Yes! Unbelievable. And now... Welcome everyone to the Huddle Up Podcast. We did it our way, baby! We did it! We did it! We did it!
2: Hi, welcome everyone Huddle Up Podcast. Obviously, uh, it looks a little bit different on my end. Dave's back with us this week. Uh, still no Matt. Uh, hopefully everybody, if you're having any issues hearing any of us, uh, throw us a comment here because it, it may be, uh, a, a, a technical glitch in the world. Obviously, the backdrop of me is a little bit different. We're having some work done in the studio, so uh, and I think Sean is uh, in a different setting as well. Uh, maybe a, maybe a little bit of wind, but we're going to go with it. it. Is Tuesday, September twenty second. Obviously, you want to make sure you check out our uh, social media. How Podcast on Facebook and on Twitter, YouTube. Uh, if you just go to any of our social media channels, you will find the. Uh, link tree there and that will get you to all of the uh, All of the places that you need uh, To go so hope everybody is having a good night if you're following along with us wherever you're following Give us a like give us a share we would appreciate that and um, And that will uh, get as many people in here as possible uh, So let's uh, let's get into it Sean how you doing this week?
0: Oh, uh, doing great if it wasn't uh, for all of the uh, Tampa winds and New Orleans' losses yesterday. The radio would be a lot nicer, but we um, we're enjoying life down here. Very non-humid day. Didn't get super hot, and because of that, I'm sitting out in the Florida room doing my first ever broadcast from uh, from outdoors here in the Sunshine City.
2: Very nice, Dave. How are you doing this week? Welcome back.
1: Thanks, guys. Uh, doing doing all right. Uh, hanging in there, of course. Uh, Panthers got shellacked again, but uh, that's going to be expected for the year. CMC's hurt for way too long to even win a game right now, but uh, football's back, football's happening. Uh, whether you like it or not, football's back, and uh, it gives us some normalcy back.
2: Yeah, it most certainly is. Everything uh, is back, and that, that's the first thing to uh, to talk about tonight. The Big Ten, uh, of course, announcing they, they had to do it the day after our show last week in, in uh, fine Big Ten form, but the Big Ten back in action uh in late October uh they make the announcement game schedule the conference game uh championship game following that um so just just thoughts and, and I know there's there's been a lot of uh thoughts and opinions about the Big Ten's handling of the whole situation um just thoughts on the on the Big Ten returning and we'll get then to the question of the week uh Jake.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think it's uh, again we kind of touched on it a couple of weeks ago, but uh, you know, it's it's about time the Big Ten got on board when the the big college football guys uh, said that they were going to play. You got to uh, kind of get on board here. You're going to get left behind, uh, a la the Pac-12 at the moment. Uh, but uh, again, it, it, the, my whole issue with the whole thing was how did you uh, how did you what, what information changed that all of a sudden three days later or six days later that you're going to make a a drastic shift after you release the schedule. So good to have them on board, but. Uh, uh still think they, they did some damage there with not having as many games and things along those lines. So it'd be very yeah. interesting to see what happens long term, but uh uh happy to have more football around.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And that will be the uh that'll be the, the discussion with the question of the week. But Sean, your your thoughts and I know we, we touched a little bit on it last week. Did you have any other thoughts to the uh to the Big Ten's uh return?
0: Well yeah, I mean um I mean, good for them, I guess. Obviously, a lot of these schools wanted to play. And, and um, you know, the the Big Ten, you know, despite what um, what was up against them in certain states and cities, was able to get something done. Um, obviously, you know, we, we touched on it last week. You know, is there a little bit of a gripe from these schools that have uh, had to put in a little bit of work already and, um, you know, are planning for, you know, You're kind of planning for your conference schedule and and i think teams were kind of settling into the fact that those conferences weren't going to be there uh so you know you kind of have that whole mindset of like you know and it's not going to change your prep that much but you know certain games maybe didn't matter as much or or you had a chance to look ahead at some games because there were less you know kids in the pool and um now you have a couple big names in there again i mean obviously penn state michigan ohio state probably your biggest three uh, as a threat to, to mess up anything, uh, that was going to happen. But, um, and, and then you're going to, you know, have to decide, you know, like we said before is, is eight wins and no losses versus, you know, 10 and one, nine and one, uh, not, you know, the, those, those of weird ones, you know, we talked about in the ACC, you know, a Clemson Notre Dame loser still having a chance to get in. Does that team get affected by that? Um, I think you could have a lot of questions there's usually not that much of a discrepancy in games played at the end of the year um, but it makes Saturday's a little more fun you have you have some conferences a, a conference that you're used to and uh, I think it's going to be good for ratings obviously but beyond that I, I, I think it uh, almost could throw more of a, a wrench into things um, you know and do a little bit more bad than good at seasons end but um, for now we'll just we'll just try to enjoy some football I guess
2: yeah yeah um and that that leads to the question of the week and that's kind of the the main point of of questioning and and, uh dave kind of touched on it we touched on a little bit last week is you know what what does an eight win regular season and conference championship if you if you can get through that schedule um and get clean through it should should you be considered should you be a part of the college football playoffs, Who, whose resume is it? I mean, if you're the Big Ten, you would have to think that if it's an Ohio State, um, th- th- that resume is probably going to hold up because based on where they were ranked in the preseason and all of that. But if you if, if Ohio State doesn't make it clean, is it Michigan that goes undefeated? Is it Penn State that goes undefeated? Is it Wisconsin? Um, is it is it somebody else? Like, and it, and if it isn't, maybe one of the the premier teams. In, in the, in the conference, then can that eight win schedule stack up against, you know, a team that's played nine, you know, nine conference games and an out of conference game plus a conference title, you know, nine versus 11, you know, how, how does that, you know, and, and if you're following along here in the live video, you know, give your thoughts, uh, our, our old pal Jason, uh, adds to the Dave Gerhardt nerd is hanging out over there. Um, but. You know, give your thoughts, leave a comment. We'd love to, uh, we'd love to hear from you as well, uh, on this. But, you know, should a, should a Big Ten conference champion, should, should their resume hold up and, and should they be eligible? I mean, obviously they're going to be eligible if they play. But when I say eligible, I mean, should really, in reality, should a Big Ten conference champion actually make it to, um, the conference championship game? Dave, you, I'll, I'll throw it to you first here.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to do my normal not answer um, with an answer, but um, I, I really think it depends on on a whole bunch of things here. I mean, it depends on on who the big the Big Ten team beats over the course of the year. Um, if if you have a Big Ten champ that's eight zero, and they don't touch Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, etc., and their wins are against the other eight in the conference, which I don't even know if that's possible in all honesty. Um, but if your, your wins are against those type of teams and then you have to look at what happens in the other conferences, um, if your conference winners are undefeated there and you have, you know, an undefeated again, I don't know the schedules offhand, don't have anything in front of me. But uh, if you have an undefeated Alabama and an undefeated Georgia and Georgia beats Alabama 24, 21 in the SEC title game, you're freaking crazy if you don't think both of those don't get into the national title play or, you know, the, the college football playoffs. So I think it kind of depends Um it depends on, on who the – more so I think it depends on who the Big Ten teams beat and the fashion that they beat them in. Um, you have, you know, Ohio State, uh, Michigan, and it's a – it's a you know, they're the top two teams at the end of the year. and They play each other, and Ohio State beats Michigan by 28. Ohio State's resume is a lot stronger than a three-point win over Michigan then. So I think you have to – you really have to keep your foot on the pedal if you're a Big Ten team. Um, but I also think largely it depends on, on what happens in these other conferences a lot too that – uh you know you you have the you have the advantage that you have more games but uh two losses i think you're you're definitely trumped by a big 10 champ that's undefeated and probably a big 10 champ overall but uh, if you have a real strong resume and you know you're a champion or even losing the championship game and it's your first loss uh, I, I think you you deserve every bit to be in the conversation but uh, i i think there's it, it's going to be Dependent upon a lot on the uh, the style points that uh, I think they're going to be factored in more than previous years, and and ultimately, the the other piece that has to be talked about in this argument is if you're a seven and one Big Ten team and your only loss was when you had twenty players out for COVID, how does that factor into things?
2: Yeah, I mean, and and that's obviously the the the, the scenario, you know, college football across the board. I mean, and we already know uh, that this weekend, Notre Dame and Wake Forest postponed. Uh, there's been numerous games postponed uh each and every week so you know the the hope is that you can get these games rescheduled the hope is that you can uh you know everything gets back to being um on board but obviously you never know and and, you know if if an outbreak gets really out of control is there a team that's going to have to get shut down um and and stuff like that so that can obviously impact the the, any plans that, that schools have and plus you know i guess there's still Some sort of buzz that the Pac-12 is trying to get back into the mix. So um, it's a this entire season is a ever evolving uh, situation. Uh, Pac-12 is too
0: late; they don't count at this point.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I, I just they're in
0: the Pacific time zone, so it's it's like two weeks ago. Then, (laughs) so they got time.
2: I'm just
1: happy that COVID happened, so Notre Dame's finally not in a conference, and they actually uh, you know stepped up finally.
2: Right, what, what, you know, what were the odds of that? Notre Dame finally. Uh, yeah, you know, they joined a
0: conference, and everybody got sick.
2: Yeah, see, How about that? see, it's, it's, it's out
0: affecting cause,
1: right?
2: It's screwing up the balance of the universe. Uh, Notre Dame joining a uh, joining a conference. Um, but, Sean, your thoughts: Should a, a Big Ten champion um, be eligible for the college football playoff?
0: Well, right out of the shoot I, I'd say I, I agree with Dave, which is a rarity, but it's a. Um you know, as far as where the dominoes fall is, is a pretty important piece. You know, if you're looking at teams that have a loss or two in the uh, ACC, SEC, um, you know, who are they to, um, you know, what situation did it happen in was one of them in a conference title game, uh, you know, and, and then with the big 10, who is undefeated, like you said, if you got a team that kind of goes through a uh, undefeated season and only plays one or zero of those power couple teams, um, you know, they're going to have to put some style points. I think, you um, you know, I think there's scenarios where an undefeated Big Ten team doesn't get in. Uh, I, I think it's going to be kind of a, a miss, um, you know, kind of a, a weird situation for that to happen. Um, but um, I, I think, um, you know, you just got to kind of play that uh, into into the situation. Now, you know, for those big teams, I don't know, with, with less games in a conference, I almost – you know, as far as a selection committee or a selection system, it would almost be nice to see them. I don't want to say go back to the AP, you know, coaches poll kind of scenario, but maybe take the computer out of it more. Um, you know, kind of look at it from a realistic perspective, almost like, a you know, a replay official might on a play and just, you know, really look at the scenario and be like, you know what, like, you know, points or not like you didn't you, you don't have as good of a resume where a computer's not necessarily going to say that, I don't think that'll happen. But, um, you know, the odds of a situation coming into play where it's really a battle like that, uh, fairly slim. Uh, The one positive, and I I thought about it when I was looking over the um, poll question, and it just kind of sprung up on me when we were talking about COVID. Um, One pro of the Big Ten playing less games, and if the Pac-12 comes in and starts playing less games, um, it may build in for the other conferences, an opportunity to not have to reschedule COVID-affected games, uh, depending who it is. Now, obviously, in a situation of like Notre Dame-Wake Forest, uh, it's probably more detrimental to Wake Forest if they thought they could run a table to, to kind of lose out on an opportunity at, at, a, at a big win if you really thought you were going to stand. But as far as a Notre Dame perspective, like if you lose a game against Wake Forest, and it never gets rescheduled, is it really going to hurt your resume? Probably not. Not any more than a Big Ten opponent playing against their opponents. So, um, you know, it, it might build a little flexibility there. Um, you know, and if the Big Ten, Big Ten or Big Pac-12 would have to extend any seasons or anything, I don't think you have to change anything. If you tack some games on, maybe the reward for these teams that played earlier is just a chance at some rest. So, you know, th- that was just my take on the COVID of it, but I, I, I think as a whole, it's Going to be some rare situations, but um, but to me, like Dave said, it's going to take two losses from one of those uh, other conferences, most likely uh, for me to to see him knocked out by an undefeated Big Ten school.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it if, it, if it necessarily, um, you know, take a, two losses. Um, it just depends on how, how a schedule shakes out. Or because I guess who the loss is and, and who, sure. who the schedule because, is. I mean, it's, you know, for, for and, and, you know, not, not to uh, insult your home state here, Sean, but, you know, Notre Dame beat up a defense. Oh, please do. Yeah, please do. <laughs> uh, Notre Dame beat up a pretty defenseless South Florida team. Clemson, as they're out of conference game, beat up on the Citadel. So, like, you know, the the, the, difference. the the extra game outside of the conference, that 10th game, um, really isn't is, is an, a, a huge uh, victory by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, well, real- tell that to all
1: the uh, Big 12 teams that lost to, uh, who was it, the Arkansas States and
0: such the first weekend. Well, the...
2: But I mean, those Big Twelve teams aren't going to be in the college football playoff discussion anyway. So that's
0: no, you know, and, and I think the only way it comes into discussion there is if if you have a team like like say Clemson comes out, they they really play this game. I mean, obviously there's bumps and bruises and scrapes that nobody hears about. Uh, somebody you know has a you know gets a knee bruise or something. Nobody really hears about it. Next week, that same knee, you know. Tears, you know, would that have happened? In, you know, in the same set of games, you know, obviously wear and tear happens, and I think that's where the argument is. It's not so much a like, well, I played a quality opponent or I didn't play. I still risk losing to an opponent that would have cost me a playoff. You know, if if, if South Florida had showed up and you know forced a couple turnovers early, upset Notre Dame, I don't know that Notre Dame has a shot unless they beat Clemson twice. Uh, you know, Probably. that kind of loss is, is just detrimental, especially in a short season. So. Um, you know, you're taking an extra risk going out there. You know, ask any of those big teams, like Dave said, that in years past have lost to lesser teams. Um, it's a risk that the Big Ten isn't taking, uh, sure. and, and they may end up being rewarded for it. But um, but that's just kind of my, my spin on that extra game. I, I don't think it matters in the grand scheme now. No, and
2: I, I guess I guess my, my point to it was, you know, like let's take the ACC, for example. But by all accounts, you know, the all the preseason predictions are Clemson 1, Notre Dame 2. Uh, they they meet in South Bend in November um, you know if, if if that's a close game, but Clemson wins so they they stay at number one, but then you get to the ACC championship and let's say Notre Dame uh, you know puts it together and they get a you know they they get a ten point win, a 14 point win then then you start to ask the question, okay Notre Dame's resume they had a three point loss to Clemson in November but a ten point win here so we probably put them in. So now you look at a a one loss Clemson uh, who lost to ten to Notre Dame, but then you have you know on, on this hand a undefeated Ohio State um, uh, theoretically you know th- that's where you know could an undefeated nine win uh, Ohio State Big Ten champion get in over a uh, what would that be ten and one. Clemson team who just lost in the you know by ten in the in the title game so I don't necessarily say it has to be a a two loss situation, but you, you know obviously you know it it's right it just depends on how how the situation plays out obviously a big ten champion should theoretically be eligible but a matter of how eligible or how uh likely it, you know that's where the real question comes so so Jim
1: just hypothetically playing off of that um Notre Dame finishes with one loss. They they win the game in South Bend in a close fashion. They lose the championship game, and Ohio State is undefeated and gets in over Notre Dame, fair or not. Oh, Notre Dame's only loss is in the championship game. How Two bad did they lose it.
2: the championship game? <laughs> yeah.
1: Close-ish. Close-ish. Touchdown. If it's they've and, and, and beaten them in Notre Dame. Like, what do you what do? you do? It, like, And you and I both love the madness at the end of the year. So it's sure. like, another one of those, what do you do? But um, your only loss is to, to Clemson, but you've already beaten Clemson. So what do you do? And is, that's where it's going to be fun.
2: And is, you, you got to you know, hope that
1: the Big 12 eliminates themselves. Well, yeah. And,
2: and are all of Ohio State's victories, you know, convincing? Or did they squeak out a couple... You know, they they only win by a field goal versus Minnesota or something like that. You know, if if they won in convincing fashion, then then maybe Ohio State gets in over Notre Dame. Um, but if they if they eked out a win, you know, in mid November against you know Minnesota or Iowa or whoever, then maybe you look at Notre Dame's resume and their margin of victory. It's it, you know, it, it's I, I could certainly see a scenario, and, and it would obviously. Frustrate me to no end, but I could see a scenario where Notre Dame is on the outside looking in.
0: I I think that scenario is very slim. Uh, I I don't – because, I mean, the odds are, you know, if Notre Dame is losing a close title game in the ACC, let's assume it's to Clemson because that seems to be what we've laid out. Sure. Ohio State, whatever they're doing in there, because do they have a title game, the Big Ten?
2: Yeah, they'll have a title game.
0: They'll have their usual, right? So, Ohio State's going to be winning in that title game – against, let's assume it's Nebraska again, most likely. Uh, I don't know who else. Wisconsin, uh, probably. But, you know, again, like you said, it's going to come down to, you know, those wins, not just by quantity, but, you know, how's Penn State's season going? How quality of a win is that? How's Michigan's season going? Well, How quality of a win is that? If those two teams have exchanged losses and have three losses apiece, I don't think you have any quality wins not even in the title game unless Wisconsin somehow comes out of that with one loss or something like that. Um, But, yeah, I I see very few scenarios where if Notre Dame, if that's the scenario Notre Dame has is they lose in a title game, um, they're going to have the same record as Clemson. So even if one of them's out, who's to say it's not Clemson, Uh, depending how the track record is. If Notre Dame's done everything they can up to that point and looks more impressive coming in, especially if they're favored, and they lose that conference game and they've exchanged losses – I don't know that I don't know that Clemson jumps Notre Dame in that scenario. Uh, you know, it depends what their resume looks like. So um, there's a lot of ways that Notre Dame still makes that jump, but you know that's the way college football is. You know, maybe they should have expanded the playoffs a little bit, like every other sport, made it more interesting. But um, we'll see. We'll, yeah. we'll get to that a little bit closer. I think there's a chance that these teams drop some games mid-season.
2: Yeah, and and I mean, as as I've said the the whole time, that you know, if there's going to be a sport that doesn't make it to that finish line um it, i i right. still think it's college football me too um you know because we're,
0: college sports in general like just yeah a, yeah
2: it's a situation it's, where
0: it's, it's it the most me i mean we've seen the nfl
2: has been pretty pretty successful here for the first two weeks obviously the nba nhl they've they've bubbled the major league baseball is going to bubble for their playoffs yeah. so um, there's no reason to believe that they, they Just an
0: add-in. Let's, yeah. let's point out that all of these scenarios we've done are assuming that one of the big three from the Big Ten comes out undefeated. Are we all in agreement that if one of them drops a game or all of them drop a game where no one from the Big Ten is undefeated, that odds big are they ten, are not represented in the... Yeah, you know, Big
2: Ten the champion has to go undefeated. It I would know. have
0: to take a lot of miracles for a one-loss Big Ten team at this point to get in. Like, you're playing... Yeah. Go for all or nothing.
1: I think I think it depends on on when that loss is and how that loss happens. If you have Ohio State that wins, they're playing what eight games, so they go seven and one. Their only loss is when they have twenty players out with COVID by ten points. But every, every their seven wins are twenty one plus. It's going to be an interesting yeah. argument. I mean, it goes back to what's the intent of college football playoffs, which we don't know what, how it's defined. Every cool. damn year,
0: it's different. <laughs> right, but again, um, that computer right now is still in play. Like, there's no – like, they haven't changed the way the selection happens. And I know the humans are involved a lot. but oh, how, computer's how going to break in 2020. The, yeah, but how into the selection process do they factor in that COVID is my, is my thing. You know, if Notre Dame comes out of this and they don't – like, going into next week, don't have a complete clean team but are able to play, you know, and and they drop a game, are, are the – because the rankings coming into that selection process are going to be still based on how much did you win by – um, who did you play? It's not going to so much be like who was sick. You know, they're not, I don't think they're going to factor that in 100%, at least as far as rankings are concerned. Uh, so unless you're still in that top four to six, uh, I'm not sure that helps you at selection time. I think you're just going to have to fight through the fight through the virus. And if that many players are sick, that's the scenario where you just don't play.
1: I agree. You know? I think it's going to be uh, very interesting to say the least, but uh, it's going to be one of those interesting arguments that are going to be added to this whole um, shit talk that happens when they're doing the selection thing, and I mean, what happens if you have, you know, twenty players that are you know Notre Dame next week and they aren't fully recovered? But can you really afford to drop two games and not play them? I don't know the answer to that. I think we're you know unprecedented territory on this.
0: But Dave, my argument uh, was, if you have undefeated, one loss in the ACC, undefeated, one loss in the SEC, that kind of scenario, maybe even Big Twelve, somebody's going to go undefeated. Let's call them Oklahoma. My argument was if it's Ohio State, if it's Michigan, whether that loss is to the second best team in the Big Ten or not, at seven and one. Do you really think that if, if you know, if there's no teams with two losses like up then it's all one and zero, do you really think that Ohio State's gonna have enough pull no matter what the scenario is on that loss? I mean, I know everybody I, loves Ohio State at the selection committee time because I, I feel like I
1: feel like they shouldn't, but I feel like somehow they're going to – I feel like you're getting three way. conferences into the college football playoffs. So if you're – you know, you're, you're zero loss and one loss in two of the conferences and then the other two big conferences have one loss and two losses, you're getting someone from those other two conferences. And I, in, in my opinion, um, whether it's earned or not, I I, I think okay. you're getting some a third conference in somehow. Um I really don't have a good answer to that, other than. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> there's absolutely a chance. I mean, it's 2020, so anything can happen. <laughs> anything um, can
2: happen. Yeah, we yeah, Minnesota we can run the that. table. All right, All right let's uh, let's move on here. There are a few big matchups that, are, at least as of here on Tuesday night, are still on the uh, on the docket for this weekend. Obviously, with the uh, Notre Dame news today, uh, that that can change uh, at any moment, but. Uh, let's start off uh, noon on Saturday. It is number twenty-one, Louisville. Uh, they are one and one at number. Uh, excuse me, is Louisville? I wrote that they're both twenty-one. That can't be a possible thing. Well, Pitt's ranked. I think they were. I think twenty-one.
0: Everybody's twenty-one.
2: Yeah, everybody's twenty-one.
0: Um,
2: I think Pitt might be twentieth, um, but they are two and zero. They're two and a half point home favorite. Uh, over under fifty-four and a half. This one at noon on the uh, the ACC network. Um, I like Pitt to keep rolling here. Um, you know, I, I I think this 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 should be a pretty decent um, ACC battle. Yeah, I'm showing Louisville at 24,
0: Pitt at 21.
2: Okay, so it's Louisville at 21 or Louisville at 24, Pitt at yeah. 21. Um, I still like Pitt here. Um, you know, I think that that they will cover the two and a half. Uh, might not be by a lot. Um, but I like them and, uh, I'm, I'm actually going to go the under. I, I haven't, I haven't seen uh pit play yet this year. Louisville didn't necessarily, uh, impress me last week, um, in the Miami game. So, uh, I'll go pit plus, uh, plus the points, but I'll take the under. Dave, we'll go to you.
1: I'll take, uh, I'll take Louisville. I thought they looked, uh, okay last weekend against Miami. They just were dumb in the third quarter, uh, when you allow, I think it was 210 yards on four offensive plays for Miami, you got some uh, pretty uh, explosive play defense gappage there. Um, but uh, other than that third quarter, I thought they looked okay, uh, considering that they were outmanned uh, largely for that. But uh, Pitt's a different type of opponent. So I think you got uh, you got Louisville this week, and I uh, agree with you on the under on this one.
2: Sean, how about you?
0: Well, I think it's going to be an interesting game. Um I'd first like to point out that in our predictions of the Miami-Louisville game, I called the game pretty much exactly how it happened. Just want to throw that out there. Uh, two good offenses, Miami with the only defense in the contest, and they stopped them enough times to pull that one out pretty uh, easily. I think Miami is a real good still uh, team, but we'll talk about them another time. Uh, as far as Louisville, uh, Louisville putting up a ton of points. Pitt looking to go 3-0 for the first time since 2014. Um Pretty pretty big one, and and why not? It's 2020, um, but Pitt can't score. They played Syracuse last week, only put up 21 points, threw a couple of turnovers, uh, but their defense held Syracuse to only 10. Uh, looks like another good defense rolling into Louisville's way. I too am also going to take Pitt um, to go three and zero because it's 2020. Why not put Pitt at three and zero? Um, and I think it's going to be close because I think Pitt's defense is going to stop Louisville, but I think Pitt's offense is going to stop Pitt's offense. And I think it's going to be kind of a weird scenario. Um, But at 55, is that what you're going with? I'm showing 55. Was yours 55?
2: A 54 and a half. Well, that
0: changes everything. (laughs) I don't like it anymore. Um, Why not? I'll take the over. Uh, I feel like maybe Pitt gets a special team score, too. That would be what I would need for my brain uh, to put it over uh, I'll take the over, thanks to some special teams plays. All
2: right, very good. Again, if you're following along with us, uh, leave a comment. Leave uh, who you think might win these games. If you have any other questions for us, uh, throw them up there. We'll get the, we'll get to them as well. Uh, then we go to uh, SEC. The SEC finally back in action uh, starting this weekend. Uh, Everybody number, here is excited. I bet. Number 23, Kentucky. At number 8, Auburn, who is a 7.5-point uh home favorite the over under on this one forty seven, this one at noon, uh on the SEC network. Um I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Auburn here. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Kentucky to cover the seven and a half. Um, this is just kind of throwing throwing shit at the wall because obviously we have we have nothing to base this on. Um and uh I'm actually gonna take the under on the point. Uh, I, I think sometimes when you when you have a matchup of two top twenty five teams uh, coming out of the gate like this, I think teams might be a little bit timid to get things going um, out of the gate. so I'm gonna take Louisville to cover the points and uh, and the under. Dave, how about you?
1: We're gonna we're gonna take the over since you took the under. easiest way to handicap football go the opposite way that Jim does. He's not wrong. Right. Uh, and instead of taking the the points with Kentucky, we're gonna say screw it and they're gonna win this game straight up. So Kentucky's going to beat Auburn.
2: Very good. Uh, Jason picked Pitt because Dave picked Louisville. So that uh, Louisville. that will- Louisville. Yeah, Louisville. Yeah, I think I said should- Louisville. 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 Yeah, I think I said Louisville, Louisville. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean, how about you? Kentucky and Auburn. Uh, well,
0: I was worried for a second. I was going to have to agree with Dave because I thought he was going my way. Good news is he was way wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, I too am going to take the over, and here's why. Uh, Auburn uh, is a program that historically uh, has destroyed. Offenses with their defense in the SEC, but was unable to score. Uh, they would lose games six to three, nine to three. Uh, Bo Nix, uh, probably one of my two or three favorite names in football right now. Bo Nix, quarterback for Auburn. Um, last year, he hit the fifty-point mark as an offense. Uh, Auburn scored fifty points four times. Um, only time that's happened was when Auburn had a Heisman Trophy winner named Cam Newton. Uh, so I'm going to say. And that, that might be my stat of the day. I don't have much better than that. Uh, but um, I think that Auburn scores a ton of points. I'm going to take Auburn. I'm going to take them to cover, and I'm going to take the over. I think there's going to be a lot of points, and most of them are going to be on Auburn's side. I don't think Kentucky has the firepower to keep up with Bo Nix. Uh, and I think once Auburn remembers what SEC football feels like, they're, they're just going to rumble, rumble, rumble. Uh, through this, uh, through this game and, um, hopefully with some momentum can disrupt some things in the SEC.
2: All right. And then the final, uh, college matchup featuring two top 25 teams this week. A two and O Army. They are a 22nd in the country traveling to number 14 Cincinnati, who is one and O. They are a 14 point home favorite. The over under on this one's 46 and a Eastern time on ESPN. Um, if this one was at Army, I'd probably be a little a little bit more uh, comfortable picking uh, picking the Black Knights. Uh, but I'm going to go Cincinnati to cover. I'm going to go the over. I think that team. Um, you know, we, we talked about in the preview a couple weeks ago that uh, they're they're probably one of the class kings in the AAC. So they want to uh, they want to make sure that they they hammer the things they need to. So I like Cincinnati here a lot. Dave, how about you?
1: I'm going with Army and the under uh, against you again. So uh, we're, we're going to see a lot of that uh, run D and that run, uh, run, run, run against the Bearcats there. They're going to control the clock and, and milk the clock and uh, do the typical Naval Academy catching two plus touchdowns. You take them, play the under. They're going to control the clock, control the game, control the tempo and make Dave a winner.
0: All right. Sean, how about you? Uh, first of all, I think it's great that you have two competitive uh, military academies, I think, having Navy and Army in the mix for the top 25. I mean, obviously never challenging for a national title, uh, but always making it to uh, a bowl, sometimes close to New Year's Day. I think that's awesome uh, for college football. Uh, having said that, uh, I do agree with Dave to an extent. I do agree that uh, Army is going to come out uh, running and they're going to try to control the clock. Um and because of that, the under is going to happen, so, so you're right there. Uh, what you're wrong about is that Army's not going to be able to completely stop Cincinnati. Cincinnati can score fast, uh, but I think they can also control a clock. I know uh, Jim and I both had uh, Cincinnati and, and Memphis. I think I had Memphis, uh, but, but there was a couple of those, those schools that um, you know, we, we, we thought might come out of there. Uh, with a chance even at, at the, the Big Four. Now, obviously, the Big Ten affects that. But I think Cincinnati's got a real good offense. I think they're going to cover this spread fairly easily by game's end. Um, but but they're just going to run out of time with what was burned in the first half while Army had the ball, and it's going to go under.
2: All right, then uh, all right, let's move to the, uh, the NFL. Obviously, the, the big story out of this weekend was the, the injury bug uh, has has bit the NFL uh, real hard. And and for years, people have talked about no preseason. We don't want preseason. It's not any good anyway. Uh, well, this is what you're going to get when you don't get a preseason. I, and I understand the, the offseason uh, programs and things were not the same this year because of the pandemic. But uh, if you don't have those games to get guys to, to play a couple of quarters and get ready – um, you're, you're going to run into problems. Uh, a couple of the notable injuries, uh, that, that I picked out, uh, Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas from the 49ers, both out for the year with ACLs. Uh, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, they could both m- miss, uh, multiple weeks for the 49ers, uh, with knee injuries. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, uh, out for the year, ACL, Christian McCaffrey, um, what, at least, at least a month, I think they said they're looking at with an ankle injury. Uh, Drew Locke for the Broncos, he's out at least two weeks. They signed Blake Bortles
0: today um,
2: for the backup job in Denver. Uh poor
0: backup Sutton. that's not good enough to like, be like we need Blake Bortles.
2: Yeah. Um, poor guy. And then uh, Cortland Sutton, their, their number one receiver. Jeff Driscoll, baby. Yeah, Driscoll. Driscoll season. Unreal. Uh, but uh, obviously there was even more injuries. These are just a couple of the notable ones um just uh from both a uh you know and you saw some big ones in week one i mean dallas lost their starting uh tight end and uh there's some other big ones as, as well but i mean this this is this is what um you know we, we were all kind of wondering what the nfl season going to look like our guy's going to get sick who's going to miss time from covid we we weren't actually even really thinking about the fact that these major injuries were going to happen in, in pretty rapid succession and, and i think um now, I'm not necessarily saying you have to have continue to have four preseason games, but I think this proves that you need a preseason in the NFL because if you don't have one, you, this is what you're going to get in those first couple weeks because the guys are going to go full bore right out of the gate and there's going to be problems. Dave,
1: yeah, I agree with all that. That it, uh, you definitely, you know, injury prone and all that. But uh, the other thing to remember, kind of on this too, is they, they did cut camp short to some extent too um and and not even cut short but altered some of it too so yes there's a lot of this to do with the 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 lack of preseason but is it that camp and all that too and and i can't even imagine being on a medical staff of any sense with the football team right now just with all the protocols and everything that you have to do so um pretty pretty interesting but i think uh you know overall two weeks here uh you, you have a lot of what's kind of expected for lack of better terms that the ravens are really good the chiefs look pretty good the first game um the eagles look like shit which is expected so um, stop it the uh the panthers look like ass which you know we knew that was coming um i i think one of the shocks has been how uh how in control of the patriots offense cam looks which is kind of interesting and it's it's amazing when he has some uh, line around him that he kind of looks like uh, he's back to some extent but it's also obvious with the play calling on Sunday night that Belichick doesn't trust him a lot at this point in time so uh, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves throughout the course of the season Um, I think you got Tampa Bay that uh, it's pretty obvious that this offense is going to start clicking uh, at some and that's going to be a a insane six to eight week offensive run whenever that starts to happen so that'll be uh, interesting to watch but uh, at this point in time I think the the number one thing that's really stood out at me through two weeks is how old Drew Brees looks. I don't know if that man can throw a ball 10 yards in the air right now. He looks insanely old, and he looked bad in that game against uh, Brady, but Brady threw two picks that kind of overshadowed that. But, man, does Drew Brees look old.
2: Yeah, the um, the Twitter talk on Sunday had a lot of Jameis Winston um, calling for Jameis Winston, and, and if the, that Saints offense doesn't start clicking – um they could uh they could be in some trouble. Uh but yeah, despite what many people thought in week 1 Tom Brady isn't dead yet. Uh Sean, your thoughts on uh the injuries and, and the early goings in the NFL.
0: Well, and Tampa got bit by the injury bug too. Chris Godwin went down. Uh they're without their their uh speedster on the on the outside. Uh fortunately for them playing against Carolina, uh didn't very much matter uh, cuz Mike Evans was able to beat him over the top and and he he has very little top end speed. So um, but he's real tall, like a tree. Uh, but um, but not a lot of other targets. Not a lot of people benefited from it. I thought it was, you know, you know, people talk about Tom Brady and how he's not dead and, and he's, uh, you know, Tom's back and um, didn't really do a, a tremendous job of spreading the ball around. Now he's got a running game that's pretty good and, and a defense that's able to back back him up like he had in in, uh, in New England. I, I think Tampa's a good all around team. Um, but I'd like to see Tom get back to that spreading the ball around, getting some guys where you're like, like in week one, that Scotty Miller had a, had a good game uh, disappeared in this one. Uh, didn't even really get the tight ends that involved. It was pretty much the Mike Evans show. Um, so, you know, I, I'd like to see him, you know, try to get guy, maybe not having Chris Godwin to stretch the field. They always like having a, he likes having a speed guy uh, could help. Um, but as far as the injury bug, um, like you said, preseason, you know, people talk the whole time about how it's meaningless uh, people can get hurt in the. Pre- Ironically, that was one of the biggest arguments against getting rid of preseason games. It's a risk of injury. It's a chance for these guys to get hurt. And you know darn well, in the preseason, the guys that benefit the most and the guys that get the most reps are not your starters. They're those middle tier guys that, if that injury does happen, you have guys that all of a sudden got reps against other teams, saw different offenses, got yelled at by coaches. <laughs> you know things that you know they you don't get in a practice. And, and in a practice, uh, you know you can extend camp. Uh, unless your body and your joints and your muscles are used to taking some abuse and in preseason, at least you're taking some, getting some bruises, your body's getting used to the idea of uh, being stopped at a moment's notice um, and, and um, kind of prepping itself for the long run. And, and and like you're seeing these guys and a lot of those injuries didn't happen in the first quarter. Some did, but a lot of these are ones where as guys are playing three, four quarters at full speed, you know, the joints and, 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 you know, the bones they, they, they don't have, you know, they don't have that that repetition building up to it, you know. Just like anything physically, you have to kind of get that up. So I hope I hope the league's looking at this, going, you know what, maybe that preseason has some value. As far as other surprises, you can tell me the Eagles uh, stink, and, and and you're right. Um, but you know whether or not you want to give Dallas praise for that win, I mean they put some uh, they, they they put some some effort forth, obviously. But I think the whole NFC East stinks um washington only won week one because they played us that's the only reason they won and uh you know dallas i mean for all intents and purposes the only reason they won is because atlanta holds on to a 20 point lead like i hold on to a diet like it just doesn't work they don't know how to hold on to that thing so you know watching a ball spin around like you know for for 10 minutes while you wait for it to go 10 yards I I just I I can't I'm not even going to the that
2: the, it. the the problem with the Cowboys is the defense the, the offense right. is the offense is
0: fine and, and but that I think when we talked about the NFC East that that's what I said I said I don't think their defense is good enough to get them there fortunately for them the rest of us stink
2: I mean the, I was going say the, the, their defense will be good enough to get them there because just by default because <laughs> you know and and that's why I think you know yeah obviously the Falcons the the botch on that onside kick was. Right. Just, one of the most baffling things I've ever seen.
0: There's a couple um, big positive stories. I mean, as much as the Eagles look bad, I thought the Rams looked fairly effective. I thought the offense looked creative um, way more than, than the uh, ever present Doug Peterson offense and the, the school of Andy Reed uh, didn't look very inventive, uh, but McVay did. And, um, you know, now you have a team. Um, the surprise of the week was last night. I mean, you can say Drew Brees yeah. looks old. You can say he looks bad. Um but that defense doesn't look bad. And uh, Derek Carr and that Raiders offense with with some young talent and even an injured Henry Ruggs. Ruggs who has not looked the same since he left week one with an injury, came back in, he's played, but hasn't done anything since he got hurt. Um but despite start that, the car, baby. But despite that, despite that, they uh, um, they looked good. I, I think the Raiders looked real good. Uh, and, and made kind of a statement, uh, you know, to go out there, especially on a week where the Chiefs didn't look that great uh, and a Chargers team looked effective enough, especially with a Herbert at quarterback, uh, which, by the way, Tyrod Taylor, no matter what the coach says, may have just uh, found himself back to the bench uh, in that scenario. So a lot of cool, cool storylines, a lot of sad ones, um, but it was definitely one of the more exciting storyline weeks uh, that I can remember in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Let's look at
2: uh, four big matchups uh, that I picked here in the uh, in the NFL this weekend. We start um, on Sunday at 1 o'clock. It is the 2-0 Rams at the 2-0 Bills, who are a three-point uh, home favorite. Boy, does that uh, sound weird. Yeah. yeah the that's,
0: 2-0 Rams and the 2-0 Bills. Yeah, that's that, that
2: one's a weird one. That one's definitely a weird one. Good for them. Uh, but uh, the over-under 47-and-a-half. Uh, one o'clock on, uh, on Fox. So I like, you know, the Rams are really good. Like they, they showed the stat with uh, McVay coming East, playing those early games uh, sometimes affects these West coast teams. They're I think undefeated in those games. So um, I like that to continue to roll. I think that Rams defense is going to get at the bill's uh, at the bill's offense. I like the Rams to win outright. Um, I don't think either team's going to score a lot here, so I'm going to go and roll the under on a Rams game. Uh, so I'll take Rams and the under. Dave.
1: we am going to go with the uh, the Bills, circle the wagons. Uh, Josh Allen's looked surprisingly good this year. Um, out of I don't want to say he was awful last year, but uh, you can see his progression this year in, in a positive, uh, positive route here so far. But uh, he's looked pretty good. Uh, still not sold on this Rams team. And I I think golf, if you can get pressure on them, which the Eagles weren't super effective at doing last week, um, if you can get pressure on it and you look at his stats, when pressured and hurried, he's a completely different quarterback, uh, which I think the bills with that strong D line are going to be able to do. So I'm taking the bills uh, by touchdown or more and uh, taking the under as well. I think, uh, I think the Rams are going to struggle to score in this one. Uh I'd be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get uh, under 14 points total. Uh, I, I think the Bills' D is really going to shut them down. And uh, there's potential for weather up in Buffalo as well for this one. So uh, that could further hamper hamper the, uh, the fun in this one.
0: Uh, Sean, how about you? I appreciate you guys constantly setting me up to disagree with both of you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, because uh, I'm going to disagree with Dave uh, on the Rams. I think the Rams, you're right, you can get pressure on Goff and um, you can disrupt things, but the Rams are creatively running the ball for the first time in years. Uh, They're getting multiple guys involved, including wide receivers, Uh, and and part of that's why the Eagles couldn't get off the field on third down because they kept looking at Goff and saying, if we can get to him, and McVay has realized that if he can get the ball out of Goff's hands on a running play that's a gadget play, um, there's no time to make a mistake. Uh, so I, I think I like the Rams to score a good bit of points. You know, I'm not going to take the weather into account in case it doesn't happen. I'm going to take it on paper. Uh, but I'm going to say uh, I like the Bills. I, I do agree with Dave there. I like Josh Allen. I like the, the what Stefan Diggs seems to have done for his confidence. Um, Josh Allen is not making uh, the mistakes he has. But the Bills' defense, despite getting pressure, has looked um, – vulnerable. I think the Bills, they gave up too many yards and points to Miami for me to like them to push the under, and I think the Rams could have been scored on a lot more than the Eagles did. Uh, I do see the comment there, defenses are so good. Um, I don't think that they show it in this game because the offenses are good enough to push them. I'm going to take the over and the Bills.
2: (laughs) I always like when people say that Dave is wrong. That's that's always one of my most... uh, You're going to love me. (laughs) Um We' we're gonna, we're gonna next move to uh, Seattle. It's the one and one Cowboys at the 2 and0 Seattle Seahawks who are a five and a half point home favorite. Uh, 56 is the over underline on this one 425 uh, on Fox. I'm gonna kick it to you Dave first because uh, if I don't go plug my computer in, uh, we're gonna go off the air. so I'm gonna mute myself and I'm gonna go get that cable while you talk about this game yeah so this is
1: uh i'm not high on the seahawks this year i was pretty big on the uh the pats last weekend against the seahawks uh obviously they left me down by the hook there i had four and a half and they somehow didn't make that two-point conversion or kick the damn extra point to screw me on that one um but i uh i feel like that this is a spot that that it feels too easy to take the seahawks with uh only laying five points in this one four and a half fish uh but i i think that dallas is is competitive in this somehow i Russell Wilson is just one of the top three quarterbacks in the NFL, no doubt about that. So he's always the uh, the game changer that every team wishes they have uh, or had. Um, I mean, realistically, your top three are, are Rodgers, Wilson, and uh, Patty Mahomes, of course. But uh, with, with Wilson on the field, uh, you, you gotta you gotta imagine he's gonna torch Dallas's defense. This one's got to go over in theory. So the under probably is what's the correct pick. But uh, there's no way I'm gonna be caught holding an under ticket on this game. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I think uh, I think Dallas is going to go into Seattle and uh, not not pull a uh, Tony Romo there at the end and uh, come out with the victory. So see, Dallas straight up on this one, and you could tell me I'm wrong, Sean, because it'll piss uh-huh. Jim off. So we're good with that. Yeah, Sean. You Dallas. You took Dallas
0: and the over. Yes, sir. You're wrong. <laughs> Here's why. Uh, first of all, the Seattle Seahawks usually after a big win and whether or not they covered like you're right they screwed me on that too they let they let New England get just close enough but um, but I had I had Seattle last week I still have Seattle this week um, Russell Wilson for all I'm considering if I'm the Seahawks I never want him to get an MVP vote because he doesn't say he has a chip on his shoulder but you know he does because there's been a handful of years here I could probably name three years in the last 10. Russell Wilson should have been the MVP and hasn't even gotten a vote for it. Um, However, um, uh, you're wrong on both accounts because not only is Russell Wilson good enough to beat the Cowboys um, and the Seahawks are good enough, I think the Seahawks' defense has shown me that they um, are better than people thought they were. I think that some of the additions in the offseason, especially Adams from the Jets, has proven to be extremely valuable. And they have all the pieces on defense that Dallas doesn't. So although I think points will be scored and Wilson will look good, I think they stopped Dallas a handful more times than Dallas can stop them. Um, but there's gonna be a lot of change of possession in it and I think it's gonna stay under. So I'm gonna take Seattle under.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean Seattle's defense, yeah, they're 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 decent, but New England just put up thirty on them in that in that building. Um, you take away the 12th man I, I think Dallas can score more than 30 points on this Seattle team I you know I, obviously the, I think the Patriots offense looks better than a lot of people expected him to and if cam Newton stays healthy um people who hate that the Patriots are good um are gonna hate this year uh, yeah, I'm a as well. Panthers fans um but <laughs> like Dave You're um up, Dave. but i I just it's it's the Cowboys' defense that really concerns me uh, in this game. Um, what's the, what's the over under fifty six? I'm gonna like the over in this one. I mean, sixty five points were scored in New England and Seattle, so I think you're gonna see more than that here. Um, I'm gonna take Dallas to cover, but I think Seattle still wins the game. Um, I think this is gonna be a fun uh, a, a fun one to watch. Jason says Seahawks have a magician at QB. It'd be awful without him. Dallas struggles so much with pressure. He won't. He won't torch Dallas. The Hawks uh, will win. He, also, like he agrees with Jim. Yeah, he also thinks Zeke has a big game. Uh, I like that, that Mike McCarthy uses uh, the run game a lot more. I mean, they're actually running the ball inside the ten yard line. Uh, which has uh, not been seen in Dallas in about. Yeah, I'm a day. not sure Zeke has
0: a big game. I think if you're talking fantasy points, maybe he gets some touchdowns. Um, but I, I wanted I wouldn't plan on a ton of yards unless they start hitting them out of the backfield on passes. I, I think the Seahawks are going to key on that, and they're going to try to make Dak win this game.
2: Oh yeah, I mean that. And well, they and did I, that
0: against New England, and they almost lost the game. So, you know, go figure. Yeah, it. Go. you know,
2: and I mean, you know, Dak. Is already looking comfortable in that new offense, and I think the more the season goes on, um, I think he can look even more comfortable. I also want
0: to point out the irony of last week's Seahawks game because they kept showing that one-yard play in the Super Bowl, obviously, and where everybody thinks the Seahawks should have run, and they get flack because they passed. And all that I've seen is that uh, New England should have thrown and not run. Right. So, like, screw fans – Screw well, the media. Make the call. You're the coach for a reason. I also like, you're think, gonna be wrong either way if you miss.
2: I also think part of the problem with the decision to run is because Cam doesn't go under center. So you're yeah. instead of instead of starting that play from the one yard line, you're starting it from the three and a half.
0: Yeah, but they they even talked about it. All the announcers talked about it right before that play. Like you got to go to that play, right? Like they haven't stopped it all day, and. They're right. I would have done the exact same thing. I would have had like maybe a plan B, like where you can read what's happening. But I thought the defense did a real great job on that, of not selling what they were doing. Uh, And Cam just assumed that hole was going to be there and and somebody made a hell. It it had been there the whole game. Because one one block happens that didn't happen on that, Cam's right back in. So he's a big, heavy guy. I'd, I'd put it in his hands. I don't trust anyone else to run that ball.
2: All right, let's uh, let's go to Sunday night. It is the two and Packers at the one one as of last night. New Orleans Saints who are a three and a half point home favorite. Fifty one and a half is the number uh, on this, and of course eight twenty on NBC. Um, I think the Packers have kind of been one of those surprise teams uh, coming out the gate. Um, you know, I, we I talked about on our NFL preview that I thought you know potentially mid season trade God deadline. Damn, Sorry. Uh, Bullpen got him again.
0: I mean, at one point, they were up like 5 nothing, and they lost 8-7. to seven. I think Hector Neris got the loss. Big surprise. Um,
2: unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. They're
0: going to lose right out of the playoff picture. Here. How do you have
2: a bullpen that bad with that much talent? I mean, it's, it's one thing if my Orioles have that bad of a bullpen. but, um, but Anyway, Packers,
0: back to the football.
2: I mean, we were talking that, you know, the Packers may look at potentially dealing Aaron Rodgers midseason. All of a sudden, Aaron's like, uh-uh. I'm still here, guys. I, well, I said that. I said that. Um, and I, I stand by the thought. I mean, the, the, the Rogers didn't look like himself last year, and he certainly does to start this year. Um And the Saints don't look like themselves. And I think the turnaround on a on a short week uh, after what happened in uh, Las Vegas, uh, I like the Packers to win out right here. I like the over. I think the Packers are going to continue to score a lot of points. Dave.
1: I'm, I'm really torn on this game. I grabbed some of the Packers at three and a half just because I think it moves down to three, which it's already done, I believe. Um, but I, I really, the more and more I look at this, I don't know how um, how the the Saints defense is going to stop Rodgers. They've shown some obvious weakness um, with, with Carr even torching them a bit uh, over the top with the D-backs and everything. Um, but I logic tells you that it, it's too easy to – to go against new Orleans cause they look like shit on Monday night and the Packers have looked really good for two games. Um, and, and, you know, I say it every podcast during football season, but you're not as bad as the last game. You're not as good as the last game. So, um, I feel like somehow since new Orleans got smacked on Monday night football in front of, a, you know, the whole country and a national audience, et cetera, et cetera, that they somehow find a way to win this game. Um, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. which means that normally is going to happen in the NFL somehow, but, uh, I'm taking New Orleans and I'm taking the over.
2: All right, Sean, how about you?
0: Uh, well, yeah, I think, you, you know, whether it's rust on Drew Brees, whatever you you want to call it, I, last week uh, and last night, I guess, um, you know, you're also in a scenario where for the first time in a long time he hasn't had Michael Thomas on the side on, on, on one side of the field. So uh, you're looking at a guy that, you know, is getting a third of your targets almost uh, a game. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's pretty brutal. Uh, having said that, I, I think um, the, the first thing I'm going to point out is, is that the Saints defense has not uh, disappointed. I, I think they still look real good. Uh, someone agrees with Dave, that's disappointing. Um, uh, but Green Bay's defense has looked pretty good, too. Uh, they've had some games where they gave up Shut point. it
1: down, I got fans. Yeah.
0: <laughs> first of all, I'm never shutting anything down. Second of all, and have your fans, because um, nobody else wants them. Uh, anyway, um, no, nothing against you, Jason. It's just uh, in this scenario, you're on the wrong side of the ball. Um, the um, The Packers have looked good on both sides of the ball, and and you had you had a tale of two games. You had Week One where they they uh, they leaned on Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, it, it, it's a tale of two AA runs. Uh, you have you had a Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know. Just putting up stellar numbers in Week One on my fantasy bench, I'd like to point out. Uh, but we, um, and then in Week Two, uh, you had the uh, oh, good, he's a nice guy. Jason is telling me no worries here. Uh, <laughs> is, I, you keep on listening. We like having you around. And um, uh, in, in Week Two, it, it was the A.A. Uh, Ron Jones show. So you know, you have you have a, a what appears to be an improved offensive line uh, with pass protection. Uh, with a quarterback that doesn't even necessarily need pass protection because he makes magic happen either way. Uh, and then you have Aaron Jones, who's going to definitely benefit from that. Um, so so with, with both sides of the ball there and with defenses being what I would consider to be almost equal, uh, I'm going to put Green Bay over the top on this one. So, Dave, guess what? You're wrong. And... Um, <laughs> Because of that, because of the defense being pretty good, I think that over-under is just a little high for me. I think it's going to get close. And um, with a couple good offensive or bad defensive possessions, I could see it pushing over. uh, But I'm going to to go with the under. I think the defenses are just good enough to hold that off. uh, But I'm going to take uh, Green Bay, uh, especially with, uh, with the three points on their side. All right. Looks like it was
1: Workman that gave up the uh, home run there, sir.
0: So they yeah, well, I ended in eighth, so I will defend the Phillies. Uh, they fought back, took, tied the game, uh, took a one-run lead in the eighth, gave it back up in the bottom of the eighth, and then they said, "Don't bother playing the ninth. You guys are terrible." So just go. You guys,
2: home. you guys can have it. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll leave.
0: Um, all right, in the final. Um, obviously, this is
2: probably the most marquee matchup of the. Of the weekend, and maybe one of the, the bigger ones of the entire year. Sean, you knocked your towel behind you. The Notre Dame oh, no, I was
0: bound to Fall Off, uh, uh, everybody caught COVID in South Bend, <laughs> so the Irish towel's gone.
2: Just, uh, it is gone. Yeah. Uh, two and oh, Chiefs travel to Baltimore. The two and oh, Ravens, four point home favorite for Baltimore. There, uh, 53 and a half is your over under on that one. Monday night football, Eight fifteen, ESPN. Um, Man, you know, and, and, you know, not to, to steal Dave's phrase, um, but, you know, you're not as, not as bad as you look, not as good as you looked last week. Um, so I think, uh, I think Kansas City is going to want to bounce back here. You know, you're getting a, um, potential AFC championship preview, uh, here if the Ravens could figure out how to win in the postseason. Um, but, uh, I, I like Lamar at home, um, at four points i think it's going to be close to a chiefs cover i think this one's going to be a tight game um i i, I like the points here i like 53 and a half i like the over i think obviously the, the offenses are, are huge part to these teams and, and i don't think that um you know i don't think kansas city is going to come out flat like they were a week ago so i'll take uh i'll take the chiefs to cover the four uh Baltimore winning the game uh and the uh, and the open. Dave.
1: So I'm uh, I'm going with the under on this one. I think uh, I, I think the one weakness that Kansas City really has is stopping the run, and I think Baltimore's able to exploit that a little bit. Um, however, I don't think we know a whole lot about this Baltimore team at this point in time. They've had uh, two pretty soft games leading up to this, uh, which has kind of been a little bit beneficial that they can uh, they can uh, you know get some quote unquote practice time in here uh, during real live games. Obviously, obviously not practice time, but some uh, simulation for lack of better terms. Um, I, I really like this Ravens team. Uh, They have the best running back at quarterback in the league, so um, I, I don't think Lamar is a good quarterback by any sense of the means, but I think he's a really good running back at 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 the quarterback position. So um, I, I think that Baltimore is going to have enough here, being at home and everything, to get through this week. Uh, but again, you're going against a way better quarterback in Patty Mahomes here that uh, could turn the tables. So uh, I'm taking Baltimore by by a touchdown or so it's a little early here in the week i uh, got some more digging to do on this one but uh, uh like in baltimore in the under and i think if baltimore wins the under gets there because i think they're going to run the run the ball run the ball run the ball so we'll see how that works but uh uh this should be a hell of one to watch monday night
2: yeah from a fantasy standpoint i'd be fine with them running the ball john how about you
0: um i i think this is um Two teams that are, are still, you know, even though they're they're clearly dominant in the NFL. Back.
2: Dave's wrong again.
0: <laughs> wrong again. He's back on my side of the ball. Um, <laughs> I think that if you're a Chiefs fan, um, I, I, I think that you avoided a, a, a very dangerous point. Um, you know, obviously coming into a game against the Ravens, who uh, I you know I have in the Super Bowl, um, and, and a lot of people do. Uh, coming in when you have kind of a sputtering week um is a very dangerous scenario uh the good news for the Chiefs is they managed to pull that game out thanks to Pat Mahomes and I always feel like Pat Mahomes at least from what I've seen seems to play up or down to his competition and having watched Andy Reid for blah, a decade um I know he does too uh so I don't think Andy Reid's afraid of this matchup uh and I think just coming out with a wind is going to be enough of a boost to to uh Uh, kind of push them forward. Uh, but this is two teams that I think, despite one having won a Super Bowl last year and the other one, basically having won the regular season. Um, I think they're still both struggling to find themselves. I I think both teams, as far as their, um, you know, they obviously have both have their marquee players and I think they have some good pieces on defense. Um, The Ravens probably having more of those are still struggling to decide, you know, what kind of defense are we? What kind of offense are we really? Uh, Are we going to run the ball more? Are we going to let the guys throw? Um, But uh, I think Dave's wrong on the under. I I think I'm going to take the over on this. I think Pat Mahomes is going to come out firing and you're right. The Ravens do run the ball really well, but they run the ball like most teams throw the ball. Uh, Their running play is huge gashes. It's massive plays. Uh, And when, when Lamar Jackson decides to run, he does it for, uh, pretty much however far the field is, uh, and just keeps on going. Uh, so, um, I, I think they run the ball, they run it well, and, uh, you're right on that count, but I think they run it fast and they run it in big chunks, uh, and it works like a passing game, and I think Lamar Jackson's gonna, gonna use that to his advantage, and, and and Marquise Brown, I think, is your, one of my fantasy, uh, um, I don't want to say locks of the week, but but definitely should be in a starting lineup because I think there's a good chance that as this game starts to become the shootout that I think it's going to be, um, Lamar Jackson's going to be hitting him over the top quite a bit. Uh, so so I'm going to take um, I'm going to take the over on that one. Having said that, I think Andy Reid uh, uses the momentum from the win last week, uh, takes a Ravens team that has won a couple games against uh, some lesser teams. Uh, and is maybe a bit overconfident uh, on top of their mountain. I'm going to take Andy Reid and the Chiefs uh, and the over um, only because um, Dave's wrong. (laughs) All right, and
2: then real quick here before we get out, a a quick check-in on both the uh, NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup final. Um, The Eastern Conference and the NBA, the Miami Heat are up two games to one on the Boston Celtics. Uh, the, uh, game four, uh, of that is tomorrow night. Um, heat, I think surprising some people, uh, coming out, uh, early in those two games and, and Celtics now having to battle back, uh, the Lakers in the Western Conference up two games to none, uh, on the Denver Nuggets, uh, currently trailing though, in the second quarter, uh, 36 to 29, that game on TNT. So, uh, if you want something to watch when we go off the air, that's uh, always an option. Um, but uh, like I said, the Lakers trailing. Uh, Nuggets, I think, really need this game if they want to get back and try to win this series. I still think, ultimately, um, the Lakers win the West. I don't think we're going to see Denver take this series, um, but I will say that the winner of game number four in the East will go on to win that series. Um, if, uh, if Boston can even the series, I think the Heat are in trouble, but I don't think if the Heat can get that third win, that they'll uh, that they'll end up losing three in a row. So, uh, Dave, thoughts on the uh, the NBA?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the Heat have looked really good uh, for a little bit of basketball that I've seen. Uh, they, they've been kind of surprising. I think you could get get them uh, during the COVID stoppage at eighty to one or something like that. So, um, really impressive run for them. And uh, Boston's no no slouch either with uh, Jason Tatum and all that. So, um, interesting to see how uh, game four is pretty cool, pretty critical uh, of course as well. Um, Lakers. I thought. I thought the one thing that was really interesting is uh, when they did the inbound on that last second play in game uh, two. LeBron pretty much did nothing. So um, he kind of stood there and made uh, Anthony Davis take the final shot. So uh, continued to uh, give some LeBron haters some more fire to their uh, fuel to their fire there. Um, I have no opinion on it, really. It's uh, it's basketball, so I could uh, I could care less. But uh, um, it's interesting to see that uh, the Nuggets have, have battled back from 2-3-1 deficits, uh, I think. And I, I just can't see you going down 3-1 to the Lakers and have any type of chance. They're just too good and too much talent on there. But uh, who knows? you you, you got to believe that the Lakers... Uh, you got to believe the Lakers pull through here uh, again. The NBA wants ratings. The the all the sports wants ratings. So that's gonna play into things too. Everything's rigged, but that's how it yeah. works.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's what we said last week. That the NBA wants the Lakers in, and you have uh, good matchups and storylines. No matter who gets out of the East. Sean, quick thoughts on the uh, the NBA.
0: Uh, well, I'd like to point out that uh, Dave's wrong. This time it's uh, grammatically. Uh, it sounds like you couldn't care less, uh, but you wanted to point out you could care less. Uh, it didn't sound like it. Uh, so just wanted to point out, I forgot the N apostrophe T at the end of your thing there. So, uh, But you're right. Um, in, uh, leave, my, leave my thing out of this, please. <laughs> uh, but you're right in some scenarios. The, the one thing you're right in is that um, the Lakers aren't going to lose this series, uh, and it has nothing, I mean, Holly says yeah. hi. <laughs> hey guys, hey Holly, how you doing? Uh, I'm just beating him up for a little while. He'll he'll be back to you in a couple. Of years, uh, um, but we, um, but LeBron's not going to, and, and it's not so much a ratings thing in the West. It's it's the fact that uh, they're just better. Uh, and the Denver Nuggets maybe have enough talent to push the Lakers uh, game for game. Uh, but I think they they wore themselves out, um, you know, against the Clippers, who I, I thought were going to get through to play uh, an L.A. L.A. Western final. Um, didn't get that. The Nuggets played a heck of a series and, and um, they just kind of wore themselves out. And uh, not only do I think the Lakers come back in this game, I think it's a sweep and they have time to rest um, while the East figures it out. Uh, I'm going to take the Heat either way, whether they win game four or not. I, I think um, the way they've been playing, uh, you obviously want to win game four, you, you don't want this momentum to end. Um, and, you know, and then you kind of probably have to win game five. But I trust him to win one of those two games and then go on to win the series uh, for a Lakers-Heat final.
2: All right. And then we move to the uh, to the Stanley Cup final, Tampa Bay getting the win uh, last night to even the Stanley Cup final at one game. Of really, Heat. I hadn't heard. <laughs> really? That's amazing that you're down there. You hadn't heard about it. Um, I think that was, a, that was a very important win. Uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning to not go down, uh, two games, uh, two games to none. Um, again, the, the, Stars team is, you know, really to me comes down to their goaltending and, and, uh, you know, can, and, and as I'm not trying to take away from the talent they have, um, on that roster and the way they've been playing, uh, in this postseason, but, um, you know, by by all accounts, we've been saying for a couple of series now that Dallas isn't going to get out of this round. Dallas isn't going to get out of this round. And they, they they keep going because, um, you know, their goaltender just Kadobin continues to just play out of this world in that net. If he can't hold up, or if Tampa can uh figure out a way to beat him uh, on a regular basis, um, Tampa Bay's in big time trouble. Big time trouble. Dave, we'll go to you.
1: Yeah, so I think uh, I kind of agree there, but uh, I think the series is going to play out a lot more like game two than it did game one. Um, The only thing that I think that the uh, uh, NHL really got wrong with these playoffs is I don't think there's enough uh, time in between the series, and I'd just like to see that extended like another game, or another day, not another game. But uh, we've seen it pretty consistently here that when the the series is over, the team that has the longer lag in between has has almost – one game one at an at 80 to 85 percent clip which is pretty critical given uh the fresh legs and everything so um i i'm not surprised to see dallas win game one but then you get the pushback from tampa in game two so it's realistically uh you know best of best of five five as we all know here uh but i i think that uh uh dallas is you know uh i don't know what tenacity is probably a good word for it, it has uh frustrated the offensive prowess of uh tampa bay there in game one but uh tampa had a pretty good pushback in game two and it's um, I, I think that Tampa's got to keep their D men active, which is and activate them and uh, push in there a little bit. That that's that seemed to work fairly well there uh, in the second game. So uh, see what happens there. But uh, you know, you got a long series left, and I think it's going to be a long series that these teams are going to go back and forth on it a little bit. But uh, uh, I'm going with Dallas here in this one long term uh, uh, to lift the cup.
0: Yeah,
2: I, I want Dallas. Uh, I don't want any Eastern Conference team uh, to win. Uh, Jason here says, uh, his heart says Dallas. We think it's going to be Tampa. They have freakish skill. Um,
1: That's a damn Dave answer.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I got to say, uh, as far as Jason's concerned, uh, maybe he's been listening to the same radio feeds I'm getting down here. Um, but, um but I think I predicted uh, Tampa to win this, um, and I kind of went on a whole "f Dallas" rant on the last week. Uh, but the more I think about it, I don't want the cup uh, across the bay from my house. Um, and watching the two teams play, and, and really kind of focusing on on Dallas uh, to closing out the West Series and going into this, um, like you said, I think um, I think the goaltending's too good there. Uh, I think Tampa Bay's, you know, um, kind of what Dave was saying; he was right. Uh, and yes, he was right. Um, that the defense needs to be, um, you gotta, you gotta amp up the defense in Tampa Bay. If you're going to win this series, I don't think they do it. I like Dallas to win the series as well. So Dave, you were right there as well. And you were also right. The NHL should have, uh, put extra time between series. I don't know if I'm on your side as far as, uh, what it did for game one. I would say that if you looked at all the series, uh, any year, uh, that that team, uh, there it is. Dave was right. Um, this time um but um but i think shut it down i don't think that necessarily affected those game ones i think if you looked historically at all the game ones uh going into that whether or not that lag team had it uh i don't know that that's why um but uh you're right they couldn't have hurt to the kind of level the playing field a little but but uh at least we're all kind of on the same playing field here for the first time all night um dallas so I feel like, like
1: all the money you have on Tampa Bay, because all three of us agree.
2: All three of Jim, us
0: agreed on Dallas, so Tampa should win in five. I Jim feel serious like that, serious question for Jim here though.
2: I feel like that's a banner I gotta keep just on the ready. So that if we actually David's right. David's right.
1: <laughs> I like it. Um Jim, serious question though. How how is it gonna feel to watch Dallas lift the Stanley Cup again prior to the Cowboys lifting the Super Bowl trophy? Just wanna I'm know. Amazing.
2: I mean, uh, being a Cowboys and put fan, put your
1: banner up again.
2: Being uh being a, a Cowboys fan, you learn to live your life as a loser. So, uh it just it just is what it is. I mean, and again,
0: we're all on the same page.
2: Yeah, and Dave was right.
0: <laughs> Dave was right.
2: <laughs> um but uh I got nothing else if you guys don't have anything uh to add here. Uh Dave, uh where can people follow you? I know you like to post some uh some uh, some some betting uh, things on your Twitter page. to so make sure people uh, can get over there on that.
1: Yeah, we're at uh, at Huddle Up Dave on Twitter, and uh, the only other thing I want to just throw out is man, did Bryson overpower the U.S. Open course this weekend up at mm. Wingfoot? Just absolutely stupid and uh, completely changing golf. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, the USGA does. To uh, I don't want to say reprimand, but uh, what are they going to do to to fix I mean, that type you, of thing?
2: How do you how do you combat that? I mean. They literally, um, yeah, yeah, we haven't won in 20 years and he's taking a little blows. I mean, you're the Carolina's a team that couldn't figure out how to make Cam Newton work, but you know, but, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, you have, you're dropping, uh, Arnold Palmer pounders getting lost in the rough and Bryson looks at that and goes, I can hit a ball out of that. I, I don't know what else you can really do there um to, to combat him but because it's not that he's not even a skilled golfer otherwise i mean he powers the ball but you know obviously you know that that that's only one part of the game is if you're not going to be able to put on those greens if you're not going to be able to the short game out of those roughs you know that's 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 you know i don't i don't know how the usga uh combats that but yeah it'll be interesting to see um moving forward also i thought uh if you didn't see any today, Tiger Woods had the uh, the charity tournament uh, from his uh, public course out there in the Ozarks. It was a pretty, uh, pretty cool-looking course, uh, so if you check the, some of the replays on that. Sean, let people know where they can follow you and anything if uh, you have anything to add.
0: All right, well, I'd be a fool if I didn't just go out there and make my Eagles prediction and say that the Eagles are going to win this week because they have to, uh, and no one thinks they can, uh, and it's the Bengals, uh, so that's going to be my... Not so bold pick of the week is going to be the Eagles over the Bengals, especially with the Niners, Steelers, and Ravens all coming in consecutive weeks. After that, uh, gotta win this one. Um, having said that, you can follow me at Seanshine State at Seanshine State. We're down here in the Seanshine State, and um, I do see quickly uh, top beers. Uh, I don't know if I have a top one uh, currently. We were talking before the show. I'm currently drinking a uh, Green Bench, which is right here out of Saint Petersburg, um, and as an IPA guy. Uh, If you find an IPA from Green Bench, uh, spot on. So if you're an IPA drinker and you're in the Tampa area, uh, come over and see Green Bench here in St. Pete.
1: Sean, you're wrong. The top beer is a cold one. Uh,
0: Once again, you're wrong. The top beer is a free one.
1: How about a cold free one? Top. I was
2: going to say I'm not taking a free one if it's warm. Um, But uh, now Jim is wrong. Now that I can get. Model of the show. Jason uh, says he's rocking the uh, Lancaster Brewery Oktoberfest. Obviously, if you're uh, Oktoberfest slash pumpkin season, it is uh, getting to be your time of year. Um, I uh, I've been enjoying the uh, Broken Skull IPA from uh, Elsa Segundo. If you can find that where you are, uh, I've been enjoying that one here lately. So uh, you can follow me at Big Jim Sports. Obviously, you want to follow the show. Uh, We're at Huddle Up Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, but again, go to any of our social media and uh, just click the link tree. Everything you need, all the podcast links, everything's right there. Uh, should be back in the normal studio uh, next week. Uh, a little bit of construction going on uh, this week. So um, that's why it looks a little bit different. and sounds a little bit different, but we'll be back uh, as normal uh, next week. Jason, thanks for tuning in for everybody else. Uh, who tuned in. We do appreciate that. Until next time, stay safe, stay smart, and go for the win.